Hello, and welcome to Heartline Ministries, a one-hour televised program and audio podcast where we take the timeless truth of Scripture and apply it to hearts and lives in the 21st century. Join Pastor Harold Noyes of Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont, and Pastor Timothy Golden of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire, as they bring the light and life of God's Word to current situations and experiences. Now here are your hosts, Pastor Harold Noyes and Timothy Golden. We have been going through the seven churches in the book of the Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, and we are now in the seventh church, the church of Laodicea. And Tim, as we have talked about um, these churches, today you and I were talking that, that uh, the seventh church seems to have all of the um, criteria of the first six churches mm-hmm. or all of the same problems of the same of the six churches and I find that very interesting it, it is and you know sometimes you save the best for last but it looks like this time we save the worst for last yeah. you know yeah. and um, but what I love about it is despite how far gone this church was really in a very short period of time because uh, you stop think this would have been a church that was probably planted by Paul and so you're talking in one generation's time, it ended up in this condition. Yep. And But yet, even despite how bad off they were, there's still this God of grace who is still calling them to repent and still promising them uh, to bless them if they would just choose to turn from their wicked ways. Yeah, and once again, I think, I think if we look at the seventh church later this year, that that certainly would be a picture of the church today in, mm. in so many ways, in so many factions. So, so we're going to apply it to certainly what is happening in Christendom today mm-hmm. and especially in the church. Um, Tim, I'm going to uh, open in prayer and then I'm going to have you read verses 14 through 22. This is found in Revelation chapter 3. And then we're going to discuss this last church, the church of Laodicea. So let's Let me open in prayer, and then we're going to read the scriptures. Father, we thank you so very, very Mm -hmm. much that, Lord, as we look at your word, it is a very practical word. We look at your word, and we see that we can apply it today, especially with this church of Laodicea. So, Lord, be with Tim and myself as we share the scriptures, as we open up the ministry. But, Father, be with the listeners and and the people who are watching and so forth, Father, that you would touch their hearts. Open their eyes. Open the eyes of their heart, Lord. Open the eyes of their understanding to see the reality of what you are bringing to us today. So bless us, use us in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So starting at verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, so just as Jesus had done previously, Tim, um, he gives an introduction mm -hmm. to each of the churches. And in this one is no different. He goes and he's talking to the pastor or to mm -hmm. the leadership of the church. That is the angel of the church of Laodicea, right? These things says the amen. I love that. You know, I, I look at amen as so be it mm -hmm. or it's done. Yeah. Okay. It is. It's 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 right there and it's it's done. That's all there is because God mm -hmm. spoke it. Whether it has already happened or hasn't yeah. quite happened yet. It's still because he spoke it, it's done. Mm -hmm. It almost carries with it this concept of as we look back at, interestingly enough, John, the Gospel yeah. of John, and how it starts off with, the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So we have him as the first word, and with him stating that he's the Amen, the same writer here in Revelation, yep. he says not only that he's the first word, he is the last word yeah, right. in it all. Yeah, and yeah... So interesting because next week we're starting a new study called Esther. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you and I discussed is that in Esther you see that God rules, but God also overrules. Mm -hmm. And we see some of that also with this. Oh, with all seven churches, basically. Mm -hmm. But in particular with this, is that God can overrule. Mm -hmm. and, and I see, you know, if there's going to be a revival, mm. he's going to have to overrule. And, yep. and, you know, once again, turn things around for his glory and to his, to his praise. And, mm -hmm. and my God's able to do that. You know, he's big enough, he's strong, I mean, he's God, so he mm -hmm. can do that. And, and I think that that's one of the things that he's saying to this church in Laodicea, mm -hmm. is this is your problem. However, it doesn't have to be there. Right. Because... I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And you have the power to overcome, yep. just as I have overcome, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Right, exactly. Yeah, and John wrote that in First John, so yeah. we have that. I mean, it's so, so neat that we can take the Word of God and the Spirit of God can make it so practical. Mm -hmm. And as he is today, so that so that these things says the amen, you know, um, and once again, so be it, you know, I've spoken it, it's done. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, it's almost like, I mean, even to a greater extent, of course. But when I was a kid, you know, and I'd ask my, my dad, why, why do I have to do that? Mm -hmm. Because I said so. That's right. it. Now, today, culture doesn't like that answer. But back when I was a boy, that meant something to me. Well, my dad's word was the last word. Mm -hmm. Well, now let's multiply that by trillions and say that God's word is absolutely the last word. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. And therefore he goes and says, these things saith the amen. So he spoke it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like in creation. I mean, how did creation happen? He spoke. Yep. And it was. Mm -hmm. You know, and what did he use for elements? What did he use for nothing? Right. He spoke out of nothing and made. And, mm -hmm. and that's who our God is. And it was just so, so neat. That's it. So, so he is the final authority. Mm -hmm. 
That's what I see with the word amen. He's mm -hmm. a final authority. But he's also faithful. Mm -hmm. And he's the faithful one. And, and he's the faithful and true witness. Mm -hmm. Faithful and true witness about what? About God himself. God himself. Uh, about everything that yep. God is. And exactly. um, all, you know, all of his righteousness, his whole entire character. And, and he's really helping us understand, look, he's the last word. He's the consistent and constant witness. Yeah. And, but he's also true. He's also the pure witness. You know, there's no fault found therein. Right. You know, it can be firmly relied on. It's fully trustworthy. So it's not just consistent, it's trustworthy. Yeah, so faithful and true witness. And, and we know all through the Gospels that, you know, excuse me, what was one of the, the basic statements that Jesus would, would make? For example, when he was a boy found in the synagogue, yep. in the temple. What was his answer to Mary when she went in? Didn't you know I would be about my father's business? And everything that Jesus did was always about the father. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't Joe. Huh? And that father wasn't Joe. No. It no, was God no, himself. No, no, he was talking about God the, God the father, right? Mm -hmm. So he is, and, and if anybody knows anything about him, would be Christ. Why? Because they are one. Right. So... I mean, to give us a faithful and true witness about who God is mm -hmm. and the heart of God, you know, was, mm -hmm. which is so neat, the heart of God. Um, you know, so, so Jesus goes and says that these things says the amen, he's the final word, the faithful and true witness about the Father. Mm -hmm. And then it says the beginning of the creation of God. Now, Jesus Christ is not a created being of God. Right. So what is he talking about in the in that verse? Well, he is the begotten Son of God. Yeah. Right? So he is God. He is right. not simply a creation. And he was before time was. Right. And so therefore he, and we see that picture uh, numerous times here in the first couple of chapters, and even into chapter 3, where many times he refers back to being the first and the last, yes. right? The beginning and the end. Um, there really was no beginning because he existed before time. Right. So. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, that's what I think. It is the beginning of the creation. In other words, what he's saying is, for example, in Genesis, you read the creation story and you read where it says, let us make man in our image. Mm -hmm. Who was present there? Yeah. The Christ. That's right. He was there with the Father and also with the Holy Spirit. Right. All three were present at creation mm -hmm. doing the work in which they had to do to make creation what it was. So exactly. therefore, he is a faithful and true witness about the beginning or about the creation mm -hmm. that God had done in which Jesus Christ certainly was part. We right. also know that in the book of Colossians. By him all things were made. Without him nothing would be made. By him all things consist and has its being. That's right. So this is the one who is speaking, mm -hmm. the, the faithful I am, the faithful witness, mm -hmm. uh, the beginning of the creation of God. I was there. Mm -hmm. And also helping us understand that he comes with that level of full authority, but not only his authority, but the Father's authority. Exactly. So this isn't just... Christ saying, thus saith I. Yeah. It's thus saith the Godhead. Mm -hmm. You know, and we all agree on this because we know on the testimony of two or three witnesses, it shall be held, right, right? Uh, based on the uh, Old Testament law. And so we see that here being really relayed to this people is that, look, we have 
what is necessary to state what it is we're about to say here. Right. And we come to you as the Godhead, you know, as one, to let you know where you stand. And if you continue down this path, it will not go well for you. Yep. But there's still hope. You know, one of the things that I that I find very interesting and, and last Sunday we've been we've been going through the book of Acts. And I was in chapter 17, having to do with my favorite town, Athens. Mm -hmm. That's where I pastored Athens, but not Greece. And, you know, where Paul had to go and he had to speak to them concerning their image to the unknown God. Mm. Yet here I look at this and what is Jesus saying? He says, look, I was there in the beginning. Right. I was there in the creation. I was a part of the creation. I am the creator. But I can be known. Mm -hmm. You know, and I can be, I can be uh, spoken to. I can be, you know, I want to be a part of your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, really what he wants to say to, to the Laodicean church as to all the churches. Yeah. I want to be a part of your life. And that's what we believe. We don't believe in religion per se. We believe in relationship. Yeah. That's and that's it. the key. And, and I like how you said that, that he wants to be known. Now, here's the interesting thing is he already knows them. Yeah. But we also see later on in this that it seems like they don't really know him right um because of that call behold i stand at the door and i knock right and if you open the door i can come in and i will sup with you and of course you know we'll talk a little more about that later but that especially in the jewish culture of the day to sup with someone was to say I choose to identify with you. Yep. I choose to let others know of this relationship that we have. It was not just about eating a meal. Right. That there was personal identity. In fact, if you were a Gentile, a Jew would not sit down and eat with you because of what that could portray. So when he's saying this, it's like, look, I want, I want you to know me right. like I know you, yep. like I know your works. Because that's where real relationship takes place. But right now it's lacking. You know, it's one of the inter interesting things is when you go through the four Gospels, you'll find many times, for example, Jesus went to the house of Matthew. Mm -hmm. Jesus went to the house of Peter. Jesus went to, you know, and he went to these houses and he ate with them. Yeah. So that means that, that, you know, I identify with you and I want you to be a part of my life. Mm -hmm. And I want to be a part of your life. And that's... That's something that, that we seem to have gotten away from, mm -hmm. uh, where, wait a minute, Jesus Christ is real, and he wants to be in our life, and he wants to be a big part of our life today. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not just some dead object laying on the shelf someplace. He, he is real, mm -hmm. and that's who he wants to be. And, he's, and he really is telling the Laodicean church, I want to be real in your life. Let me be. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't think any coincidence that the very last thing that we see of Jesus' ministry, per se, that took place was what? The Last Supper. Right. It was over a meal. Right. You know, and what was he helping them understand? Look, when you, when you partake of this, understand the relationship I want to have with you. Take and eat of this, because this represents my body right. and, and my blood, as we talked about earlier during, during lunch today. And, but it's this aspect of, I want you to not lose sight of the fact that this is still all about relationship that I've longed to have yep. with you. And we need to get back to that as, as the church. I think that too many times what happens is we get caught up in the doing and where we get caught up in just thinking just because we're doing this religious act mm -hmm. or going through these religious motions that somehow or another that equates to having relationship with yep. God. And this is a church 
that tells me they were probably doing some religious acts, but because he says, I know your works, but they, they, they hold no life. Yeah. You know, uh, interesting in Acts 17, when Paul was talking to the Athenians, mm-hmm. he says, I know that thou art too religious. Mm-hmm. Or you have allowed your religion to become, to, to sway your thinking. Or you have allowed your religion to interfere in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And certainly we see that today in, in many churches and yeah. in many Christians' lives, mm-hmm. is that they, they have, you know, this is what my tradition is, and, and because of that, you know, and whether that tradition is right or biblical or whatever, uh, is immaterial. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's going to interfere with my relationship with Christ, mm-hmm. then there's something wrong with it. Yeah, and the truth is, no matter what the liturgy, yep. because, you know, I, and I've been the gamut, you know. Yeah. I've been in enough churches to let people know I'm obviously very spiritually and biblically confused, you know, because <laughs> our background has been from everything from Presbyterian all the way up to Pentecostal. Yeah. So, you know, well, how can you do that? Well, the thing is, is no matter what the liturgy, I've been in churches that are very liturgical. Mm-hmm. And I've been in churches that you would say are very free in, in their worship style. Yeah. But you know what? I've seen life. In all those liturgies, I've also seen death. Right. In all those liturgies, they can look like like they're full of life, but it's really been nothing but a lot of, pardon the phrase, smoke and mirrors. Yep. And, and I think that's kind of where this church would found themselves. They were engaged in some smoke and mirrors, and to the point that they had bought the lie. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, in verse fifteen, we see that. Now, once again. This is the one, Jesus Christ is the one, the beginning and the ending. He's his great amen. Uh, he knows all things. He's, he's omniscient. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing he doesn't know. And he's revealing that now to the Laodicean church. I know your works. I've seen everything you do. You know? And I have a problem with you. Mm-hmm. Because everything you do is, there's no substance to it. Mm-hmm. As I see this, where he goes and says, um, you're neither hot, neither cold, nor hot. I would that you would be either cold or hot, but mm-hmm. there's no substance. You kind of, you, you fluctuate with the times, or with the culture, or with everything, and, and you don't take a stand. Mm-hmm. That's basically when we ask the question, is there a time, or, or should we as believers, take a stand? Mm-hmm on the Word of God, on the doctrine of God, on the, on the ministry of Christ, the life of Christ, mm-hmm. or the person of Christ. We ought to take a stand, aren't we? we? We are. And this church was obviously caught up in this aspect of compromise. Um, they were caught up in the deception. You know, all these things that we've seen in all these other churches, they were caught up in this aspect of forgetting their first love. Because like we said, if Paul planted this church, I can guarantee you that he had had this church grounded initially on the fact that Jesus Christ is and, right. and that he was crucified for their sins. and But somewhere in the course of one generation, because that's about how much time passed between then and the writing of this book, mm-hmm. was about one generation, that the church had totally missed it. And that's all it takes, is just one generation to lose the, the reality. But we have, like I said, those compromises and everything, but unlike with some of the other churches where, where you saw those things in existence, with this church, those are almost like symptoms. These are symptoms, you know, but they are symptoms of a deeper issue. 
And the deeper issue is one of lifelessness. Uh, because like I said, this whole concept of, of hot and cold, and as we have saw with all these other letters, is he communicated to each of these churches in terms that they could understand, in, something, in some way that they could identify. Mm -hmm. And whether it had to deal with their culture, whether it had to deal with what was going on in the spiritual realm as far as the struggles that they were facing in their specific culture, or in this case, there's a geographical picture that he's drawing because Laodicea didn't have its own water source. And you had a water source about six miles north in, in Hierapolis where they were known for their hot springs. And their hot springs were known to bring such a level of healing benefits that there were all kinds of health centers in that area. And then you have uh, 10 miles to the east, you have Colossae, which was known for its cold springs, yep. uh, which were full of, which were very life-giving. So to the north, you have these healing springs. To the right, you have these life-giving springs. But in Laodicea, you didn't have either of those. And so they had to, through the aqueducts, bring, bring the waters in. But the waters from those hot springs didn't get a chance to cool down enough to become life-giving. They just became lukewarm. And they fostered all kinds of nasty stuff and were actually sulfur-like, and and I know we had a chance to talk yep. about it. And um, if you've ever drank sulfur water, you know it kind of tastes like rotten eggs, or at least smells like yeah, it. Yeah, smells like. And it. we had a campground that we used to go to a church campground uh, when I was a child. And the water there had that sulfur to it, and I tell you, you just couldn't stand to drink it. It was just it would make you want to throw up. Yep. And um, so he, you've got this picture that, look, and, and we see all the way back even in the book of Jeremiah where we see the first reference to the fact of the Lord being referred to as living water. And of course, we see it with the woman at the well. Jesus makes that remark. And he later in John chapter 7 does the same thing. And in Revelation, the last two chapters, we see again this aspect of these life-giving waters flowing from the throne of God and how it brings forth life and it brings and uh, the life that was brought forth in the tree of life, you know, also brought the leaves brought healing. Mm -hmm. So you have life and healing being portrayed throughout. But what he's saying is, look, you're you're drawing from you're trying to draw from here or there, but you don't own it for yourself. Yeah, there, there's nothing real and genuine for just you. You're just going with the flow. You're just going through the motions. And when you go with the mo just through the motions, you will not take a stand. And, and because you have nothing to stand right. on. Exactly. exactly. And so you need to get it within yourself. You need to come back to the life flow. The only source of the life flow is the Lord himself, which is why he brings us full circle at the end where he says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Let me in. You're not going to get the right. life flow without me. You're trying, but it's just never going to happen. So am, am I fair in making the assessment where the church of Ephesus, for example, mm -hmm. we know that they had a relationship with Jesus Christ because mm -hmm. they are known for, they have left their first love. Mm -hmm. Here, he does not make reference to leaving anything. Right. He's just making reference to the fact that you're, you're there in the middle and it's not like, like you've left anything. Mm -hmm. You never had anything. Yeah. And and I kind of see a picture in this because, like, uh, as he goes on to say, and as you brought out before, he talked to, I think, was it the church at Sardis? Um, the dead where church? he talked about the, um, 
you think you're poor, but you're rich. Yep. Yep. You know, where here's the verse. You think you're rich. You think you've got it all together. Yeah. But you are so poor and wretched and naked. And I think of so many, even in our country today, those that even go to churches that want to say, I'm a Christian. But you begin to probe it all, and they begin to say, well, it's because I'm a good person. Yep. I do all the right, you know, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't stolen anything. So therefore, I'm good enough. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. The exactly. only way you can be good enough is when the blood of Christ can actually yep. cleanse you of that sin nature that you were born with. Yep. And that's the only way you'll be able to be in relationship. And that, and that is the key, Tim, that, that you brought out. It, it is all about a personal relationship. I had three kids. Mm. You had, what, three kids, right? Three, yeah. We had three kids. It's a now, good number. That's a good number. I like that number three. <laughs> had three kids. We each had three kids. Now... None of my kids are going to heaven because I, as their father, am a pastor. That's right. All three of my kids had to make a personal relationship, be drawn into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. They couldn't go in on my coattails, for right. example. And, and, you know, and that's the way it is. You know, some, and you, you alluded to it, well, I'm a good person, or my grandmother bought this pew in this church, so therefore... You know, we're all going to be, we're all mm -hmm. going to slide into heaven because she bought a pew. Mm -hmm. No, th that is not how it works. Mm -hmm. You have to personally invite Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you. Mm -hmm. Ephesus apparently did that because mm -hmm. it said that they, they lost their first love. But I'm looking at Laodicea and I'm saying, wait a minute, has that happened to them yet? Right. You know, and because... They're in this middle. They're in this, this no man's land where they don't know how to or what to do or not wanting to. But they're they're just kind of stagnant. They're cold. I mm -hmm. mean, they're, they're they're just there. Yeah. And and that's what Jesus is bringing out to them. I know your works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. In fact, I would prefer that you become one or the other. Right. Either absolutely deny me, or fall in love with me. Don't play, you know, in the middle where there's nothing there. Mm. You know, and, and I personally, as a human being, want to be that way. Mm. You know, I either want people to love me or hate me. You know, and it's not play that in-between thing where you wonder, how, where's my standing with them mm -hmm. today? And where's my standing going to be with them tomorrow? And think, me, in my relationship with Christ, I know where my standing is with him. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've made that personal relationship. I think of a individual we had uh, just stay with us just recently, um, and we had a conversation about and person loves the Lord, just incredible man of God today. Um, but he talks about uh, when he first started going to church and the church that he was going to, and he actually asked and even approached the the pastor or the angel. Did I say the angel of the church? Yeah. And um, asked a question about what's this whole thing about being born again. And it sickens me to think of this, but he had said, that, pa that pastor looked at him and said, oh, you don't need to worry about that because you're a member here. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and I think that that's a bit of what was happening here is, look, you, you signed on the dotted line, so you're in. Yeah. You know, you, you joined the organization, so, you know, or you, get, you gave your, your dollar in the offering plate, so therefore, you know, you, you bought your ticket. It's like, no. Right. Only Jesus can get you there. Yeah, my dad had the same experience in the church back in my hometown where the pastor said to him, he says, you know, 
that you don't need this born again mm. stuff. You know, you got you got a pew in the church, you're a deacon of the church, you're fine. Mm. And you know, it wasn't until a few years later that my dad came to the conclusion, no, I'm not fine. Mm. And God really convicted him and brought him to yep. a saving knowledge of Christ and what a wonderful change that happened in my dad's life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and, and it really saddens me that this minister would have said that to him. Yeah. But that's the way that the, Laodice, uh, yeah, the Laodicean church appears to me as it does because it says you're not taking a stand. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so many and people, you know, a lot, you know, when we, they talk to us and they say, oh, you're one of those born-againers. Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. and, and proud of it. And, you know, and I am absolutely mm -hmm. proud of it. Why? Because you've got to take a stand. If you don't, mm -hmm. if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. If you confess me before men, what am I going to do? I will confess you before my Father, which is That's right. Name. So you have to take a stand. Mm -hmm. We have that in verse 16. So then, because thou art lukewarm... And because you haven't absolutely denied me, or because you have not absolutely embraced me, you make me vomit. Mm. Now, this is the only church. Now, of all the other churches, it saddened God for the first six churches. Mm -hmm. This church made him sick. Yeah, of course, we need to also make sure people understand this. God doesn't want us to hate him. Right. No. God wants us to love him. Exactly. You know, and, and so he's not saying in this that, look, I want you to choose to hate me. No, he yeah. wants us to choose to love him. Exactly. You know, but unless we love him, anything that we try to do that we think is righteous, yeah. don't even bother yeah. because it's putrid. You know, one of the things, and, and, and it's really interesting because I, I did a just kind of a personal Bible study recently about commitment which is mm -hmm. a strange word today in our society yeah. in our churches and culture but in commitment and it's amazing how many scriptures there are that says when you do something for god do it with your whole heart mm -hmm. love him with your whole heart love him with your whole mind you know love the lord thy god with all thy heart with all thy mind with all thy strength mm -hmm. that's what i want yep. i want all of you mm -hmm. and if i can have all of you then I don't have any of you. Yeah. But as that first also goes on to say, it's not, why do you do that? Because on this hinges all the law and the prophets. Yep. All the other stuff you think is what's going to get you into heaven, you'll do if you love me. But just because you do those things doesn't mean you love me and won't get you there. You know, now we go to verse 17, where it goes and says, because thou said. So God now is going to bring into the conversation, I'm going to make you eat your words. Mm -hmm. Right? Because you have said, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. I have everything I need. I have money. Yeah. I have fame. I have all of this stuff. What else do I need? But Welcome you know to the American culture. Welcome to the American, yeah, the American way, right? But you ask a lot of these people who have all that stuff, mm -hmm. and you know what they'll say? I'm poor. Mm -hmm. I have nothing. You know, unless I got a family that loves me, and unless I got, I'm nothing. Mm -hmm. And well, it's the same thing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, didn't even King Solomon, yeah, you know, pen those wonderful words, vanity, vanity, vanity. vanity. All, all is vanity. vanity, right? This was at the end of after he had achieved yep. all, became the richest man to this day that has ever walked the face of this planet, and when all was said and done, said it's all empty. Yeah. There's no life in it, and it's a very depressing book to read. Yeah. But at the end. He comes back you know, to the understanding. This brings me back to the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. 
He was mm-hmm. a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was one that all the other Pharisees would bow down to and, and mm-hmm. give credence to. Yet, when Paul came to know Christ as his personal Savior, and he recognized the fact that he himself was a sinner, what did he say? Oh, wretched man that I am. Mm-hmm. I am the least, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and he goes and he sees himself for who he is. Yep. And, and the Laodicean church can't see that. Right. You know, and he goes, because you have said this and this and this, thou knowest not that thou art wretched. Mm-hmm. You don't know how miserable you are. Yep. You know, because you don't have a relationship with me. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. Mm-hmm. And it's almost and, like the emperor's new clothes yeah, concept. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you, and you look at it and you say, wait a minute. And, and I like that concept of, of nakedness because God says, before me, you're naked. I see everything about you. I That's know right. everything about you. You can't hide anything mm-hmm. from me. Yet when you and I became believers in Jesus Christ, when we became born again, what did he do? He clothed us mm-hmm. in his righteousness, yeah. in his garments. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer naked. Yeah. Okay? Because I'm clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's a key is how we got that righteousness. is isn't by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his great mercy right. through which he saved us. And that being the clothing of the blood right. of Jesus Christ that has been put over us when we accept him as Lord and Savior in our lives. You know, and that's why he goes and he says, you know, and, and the, the term blind, if we can go back just one, one part of that verse, you're poor and you're blind. Why were they blinded? Who blinds us? Mm. We find in Corinthians that it says that, that is, Satan blinds us. Mm-hmm. He has blinded the eyes of those. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what he's doing today. He's mm-hmm. blinding the eyes of those who think they are yep. or say they may be, but they aren't. That's right. And the way that he does as he capitalizes on our sinful desires that come by that sin nature, yeah. right? Uh, let no one know that he's tempted, think that they've been tempted by God, but what? Rather, they are um, led away by their own sinful desires, right. which in turn gives way to sin, which in turn gives way to death. Yeah. So the enemy uses that very sin nature that we have been born into to begin to blind us. and uh, But yet, God has the power to break through all that right. if we will simply turn to him. You know, it was really interesting because I was listening to, to some messages by Dr. Adrian Rogers this week, mm-hmm. and he makes this statement. He says, today's culture wants a sedative, not a savior. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it's that's true. what happened here. Yeah, they were They were given a sedative. Something that would mm-hmm. appease their emotions, appease their feelings, and, and, but also take away their sight. Take mm-hmm. away, you know, what they really need to see. Yeah, they just wanted to feel good gospel. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they didn't really want to see the real them. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the day that, that, that I came to grips with the fact that Harold Noyes was a sinner. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember as if yesterday, and it happened in 69. So how many years ago was that? 20, uh, 50, 53 years ago? Mm-hmm. And, and I can remember it as if it happened yesterday. I wept like a baby yeah. because I saw myself for truly who mm-hmm. I am. You can't understand grace until you first come to that point. Yep. Yeah. You know, there's no way to understand God's mercy until you first understand his wrath and, um, and the judgment right. that we are due. And only once we see that do we understand the, the role that grace plays. Right. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Now, verse 18. I love this verse. 
Because in verse 18, what does Jesus do? Mm -hmm. He says, let me give you some advice. Mm -hmm. I counsel you, right? Yeah. Um, I counsel thee. Is that, is that what your translation yep. says to you? Use counsel? All right. I counsel thee. I have something for you. Yeah. I want you to yeah. buy of me gold tried in the fire. Yeah. All the dross taken off. Before we get too far into that, yeah. that word counsel, I, I know he uses that word, not the word command. Yeah. Yep. I didn't command or even say I invited you. Yep. You know, because those things would imply a one-time deal. Yeah. Counsel is advice that happens over and Period over yep. and over. There, there's a process. There's a, a consistency in it. And so you have this. Uh, what I'm hearing in this is that with these instructions he's going to give, what, I've, what I'm calling you to do is... Yep. There's almost a pleading with, yep. uh, you know, I want to encourage, I want to almost convince you. It's like that word Paul this. uses, beseech. Mm -hmm. I yes. beseech you, therefore, brother and mother, mercies of God. Mm -hmm. I beg you yeah. with the strongest of pleadings. My urging is with tears and trembling. Mm -hmm. This is what you, know, you need to do. Yeah. You know, and, and so I, I see that with the Lord because the Lord desires that none should perish. Right. You know, his heart is that all men will be saved. Mm -hmm. So he goes and he says, look, I counsel you, buy of me gold tried in fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment. Now, how do you buy that? Hmm. It's not by being good enough. Right. What is it? Here I am, Lord. You mm -hmm. bought and paid for me. Yeah. You now own me. Yeah. It's going to cost you something. I mean, yes, salvation is free, yep. but it costs. Yeah. You know, it costs my will. Yep. It costs me to empty myself. It costs me to want to place myself unreservedly into the palm of his hands for him then to work what he wants. But here's the really cool thing. He's going to allow us to buy gold. Yep. And let me tell you this much. The price that we're paying, it's a deal. Yeah. You know, I mean, th this isn't like... You know, there's been a markup on the gold. Right. This is a matter of what do I really have to bring? I've got about, this would be the equivalent of coming and saying, okay, here's $10, but you give me your 10, I'm going to give you a million yep. in gold. That is the picture that's being relayed to us here. This level of buying, buying at a discount, you know, bring what you got. But wait till you see what I'm going to give you. Well, you know, and that's that's one of the things that that it has always baffled me, but it but it amazed me, was the deal, because Jesus Christ, the God of heaven, the Creator, the Sustainer of life, the Giver of life, He gave us Himself. Mm -hmm. He gave us His riches. In fact, it says when you trust Christ as Savior, you not only become a child of God, mm -hmm. but you become an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He gave us all of that, and what did he get in return? Mm -hmm. My sin. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, well he makes that so clear here, because like you would mentioned, you know, he's already identified, look, here's your condition. You're poor. Yeah. So let me tell you, buy my gold. Yep. With your, with, with your poverty. Yeah. It's just amazing. And, and it's gold tried with fire, so you know that it's the purest of pure. Exactly. You know, there, there are no impurities in this. This mm -hmm. is absolute... If I, if I can use this to absolute righteous gold, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's what I, you know, I'm going to, I'll give this to you, you know, if you, if you take it. So he says, maybe rich in white raiment, that is the raiment of his righteousness, which mm -hmm. we have spoken of before. And then it goes and says, 
that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, I come to him naked, wretched, and blind, and God says, here, let me clothe you. It's like the prodigal son coming mm-hmm. home to the father. Exactly. And he's in rags, he's tattered, he's bruised, he's mm-hmm. beaten, he's ashamed, he's all these things. And the father coming to him and, and grabbing a hold of him, embracing him, kissing him on the neck, and saying, bring the garments, mm-hmm. bring the robe, bring, you know, all that stuff, and place it on him. Mm-hmm. And that's what God does to us when we trust Jesus Christ right. as our personal Savior. Yet, Laodicea missed that, mm-hmm. at least so far, right? Yeah. So they missed that. So he says, and, and then he goes and says, look, he says, um, and anoint thine eyes with salve that thou mayest see. Mm-hmm. He says, I can open up your eyes mm-hmm. that you can see me. Yep. And the amazing thing with eyesight, having been there, done that, yep. you know, with glasses and then later with cataracts, right? You're not aware lots of times how bad your vision is until it's been right. restored. Yep. And that's like, oh, wow. So that's what tree leaves yep. look like, yep. you know, and, and, and stuff like that. And so lots of times people don't even understand they're not seeing. But he's saying, let me put the eye salve on. Yeah. L- yeah. Let me treat you, and then I'll show you what, the, yeah. you, what you think is reality really isn't reality. Yeah. Let me show you the real deal. So now everybody, I'm sure, as, as you're listening to this program, you're saying, man, God's harsh. Mm. You know, God's really angry with these people. Mm. But then you come to verse 19. Yep. What's he saying? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Mm-hmm. So why am I telling you this latest year? Mm-hmm. Because I love you. Yeah. You know, and this why is really am I hurting ruined? me more than it hurts huh? you. And this is really hurting me more exactly. than it hurts you. You know, I mean... I'm saying this not because I want to be mean. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this because I want to save you. Yeah. I'm saying this because I want to, to give you eternal life mm-hmm. freely. And yeah. so take my rebuke for what it is. Mm-hmm. It's my love for you. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And because of that, I want you to be zealous, therefore, and repent. Mm-hmm. Do it speedily. Mm-hmm. Don't wait and say, well, I can do it tomorrow, or I can do it on my deathbed. Mm-hmm. You don't know when that's going to be. Mm-hmm. So you better do it now. Today is the day of salvation, mm-hmm. not yeah. tomorrow. And that's a great, I, I like how he precedes the word repent with that word zealous. Yeah. Because I think of the zealots, Yeah. you know, and, and what were the zealots in those days? They were a kind of a warrior group of the Jews right wanting to really overtake rome yeah yep. and, and and so he's almost helping them understand look this is not something that's going to be easy i understand and i know this is a hard word to receive but know it's being spoken forth in love but you know it's not just going to happen you've got to be willing to take hold of it yep and and, and wrestle it to the ground you know so that life can spring forth yeah yeah, uh, and one of the things I, I love about it is, is God is saying to us, and this is, once again, something that is seems to be counterculture these days or even counter-church these days is taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. God is saying, look, I'm going to give you responsibility. Mm-hmm. The responsibility you have is say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my life and yeah. save me. That's all I require. Mm-hmm. You know, And so many people say that's too hard to do. 
But I tell you what, once you do it, you won't regret it. That's right. Right? You just won't regret it. And then verse 20, an interesting picture, and many of you, I'm sure, have seen this painting of Jesus standing mm -hmm. at a door and knock. Did you ever notice that the door handle was not on the outside? That's right. The door handle was always on the inside. Why? Who has to open the door? We do. Mm -hmm. We have to say, Jesus, come in. Mm -hmm. Jesus is not going to force himself on you. Jesus is not going to barge in. Jesus is just saying, look, I'm knocking at your heart's door. Will you open the door for me? He's saying that to the Laodicean church, and I believe he's saying it to the church today, and he's saying it to those who are not yet in the church today. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm knocking at your door. Would you open the door? Put your hand on the doorknob and say, Jesus, come in. Mm -hmm. That's what he wants you to do. That's what Tim and I have done years ago, or many years ago, mm -hmm. and and I haven't regretted it, Tim, and no. I don't want to go back. No. You know, I, I just don't want to go back to, to mm -hmm. what that is. So and Jesus, he doesn't care what's on the table. No. He just wants us to open the door. Yeah. It's like, and then he's like, and I'll come in, and I'll yeah. eat with you. It's not, I'll come and eat with you, but only if you've got lobster and steak yeah, on the right. table, you know. Yeah. He knows we're wretched. He knows we're poor. He knows... Pardon the face. It's probably just gonna be peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. But you know what? He doesn't care. Yeah. He just wants to come in and dine with us. Right. You know, he just wants to build that relationship and just great pictures. Yeah. You know, with the two men on, on the road to Emmaus, by the way. Yes. What happened? You know, he talked with them all the way up to their house. Mm -hmm. And he says, "Let's go in and have supper." And they went to prepare supper, and then all of a sudden, their eyes were opened up. And they left their supper on the table, and they ran back to Jerusalem and said, "I've seen him." Yep. He's resurrected. He's alive. Yeah. yeah. Kind of left Jesus hand, standing there saying, whoa. <laughs> but, and what happened in that process, the blinders were taken off. Yep. He put eye on the, sat eye on seven. their eyes yep. so they could see because they walked with him all the way on that road to, to that location. Didn't realize it was him yep. until they fellowshiped. And then with the responsibility, he says, okay, you've got to open the door. And if you hear my voice and open the door... See, that is the key. You have to open the door. He does not barge in. He doesn't take a battering ram and barge in that way. Right. You open the door. You hear his voice. It's the Lord speaking. I wonder, is the Lord speaking to your heart today? Saying, you know something? You played the game long enough. Open the door for me to come in. I mm -hmm. want to come in. I desire to come in. Yeah. I would love to come into your life and show you who I really am. That's, right. That's what he's saying to the church at Laodicea. Mm -hmm. And the church at Laodicea is representative of the church today. Not only the church in America, but the worldwide church today. Yep. It's representative to that. So he goes and says, if you hear my voice and you open the door, I promise you, I'm not going to stand there and say, oh, your house is dirty. I can't come in. Or you don't have the right food, as Tim said. I, and, so, and, I'm, and I don't want that. I want something else. Or you got this or that. No, no, no. He says, if you open the door, I will come in, period. Mm -hmm. And to me, what a tremendous promise that is. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people say to me, Pastor, I, I, I want to come to know Jesus, but I got to clean up my act first. Mm -hmm. Wrong answer. Yep. Wrong answer. Trust Jesus Christ, and he will clean up the act. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that, this too is, and you can almost say it sounds almost redundant, but I've 
read scripture enough to know and know enough about God after walk with him for 55 years, realize he never says anything just for redundancy. Right. And that's the way he says, not only I come in and dine with him, but he with me. Yep. And it's like, well, isn't that kind of saying the same thing? And it no. isn't. Because what he's helping us understand is like, you're going to come, you know, I'll come in, I'll dine with you. But you're going to dine with me just as much as I'm going to get to know you in a very intimate way. Guess what? I want you to get to know me in a very intimate exactly. way. I want you. I want to be able to share the secrets of the kingdom with you. I, I, I want to share um, my father's heart with you. Yep. I, I want you to get to know me so deeply that no matter what you do, you're going to hear my voice in your head. You know, and, and, and you're going to want to walk the way that I walk. You know, I find this as being very representative, Tim, of, you know, one day after the rapture, mm-hmm. there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. I always look at this life, the life we're living today, as a rehearsal dinner so that when we go to be with the Lord Jesus, we will be there at that marriage supper of the Lamb, mm-hmm. eating and feasting with Him. You know, this is the rehearsal dinner, but tomorrow's the wedding. Yeah. And I think it's that close. I think mm-hmm. it's that. So if you haven't done it yet, please ask Christ to come into your life. Right. So and then he goes and says, I will sup with Him and He with me. To Him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me on my throne. Wow. I mean, can you just imagine? Poor, wretched, broken, naked people. Yep. But I'm going to make you yeah. sit at the highest place. Yeah. I've made you kings and priests. Mm-hmm. That's what yep. it's done. That's who we are. So he goes and says, to him that overcometh, or to anybody who overcomes, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame when, remember back when mm-hmm. he, just before he started his ministry, what happened? He was tempted, mm-hmm. and he overcame. And he said, no, this is what the Word of God says, and I'm going to stand on that. All right, so he overcame. Will I grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's where he is today. Mm-hmm. He's King of kings, Lord of lords, and he wants to come and live in mm-hmm. your heart. And he just yeah. says he lives in Tim's mm-hmm. in my heart. Because we're children of the Most High God. Children of the and, Most High God. And it's not to say, because I've heard you know, some real heretical teachings on this where people want to say, oh, so we're going to become God. No. Or we're going to become like God. No. Yeah. We we are his children and and he chooses as his heirs, as co-heirs with Christ to allow us this role. Doesn't make us, we'll still be the sinners saved by grace, yep. you know, they've become saints of the Most High God, but we will not become God. You know, there was a, there was a word that, that kind of popped in a few times this week and during my own personal devotion time, and that is the word, we are his offspring. Mm-hmm. And I look at that and say, whoa, talk about being, you know, right there because of trusting Christ as my Savior, then he takes me in just like he does, did to Christ. Mm-hmm. What an amazing thing. Last verse, he that has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit said unto the churches. May I ask you today, do you have your ears on? Have you heard what the Spirit of God has said to you? 
If you haven't trusted Christ to save you, please, right now, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. I need you to come into my life and save me. And I'm going to trust that because I did that right now, you did. Because you are faithful who promised, and he will do it. Mm -hmm. I ask that you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today, as Tim and I have done so Mm -hmm. many years ago. There's 108 years of salvation on behind this desk right now. So, you know, we did it so many years ago, and you will not regret it. That's right. 